You thought we'd start the show off like that? Birdland BS. Check it out. Ryan here with Scott and Fredro, Birdland BS, on a beautiful Monday afternoon, April 9th, 2018. Be patient with us. We're trying some new things out, and Fred is not very computer literate. At the end of the day, we're really not trying anything new out here. I mean, we were attempting to do that, but uh, all has failed Square uh, one. Yeah, it's we're all, back to what we normally do anyway, Ryan. So I, I feel like Scott can hear me. I can hear him, and then Fred's out there on his own. You can't hear me now. No, I can. I'm just saying. Fucking talking shit, redhead. Right out the gate. Oh, damn. BSing it. <sighs> How was your week, Ryan? Anything exciting going on? Um, it was cold. Um, colder than I thought. Um, so that was. I'm- Lane. Sick of this wind, man. Yeah, the, the wind, hell. the cold. It's destroyed my privacy fence, literally. Spent all this money <laughs> on getting a privacy fence and a deck put on, and it's literally destroyed my privacy fence. Yeah, that that's horrible. Yeah. We have How about you, Scott? Anything damage. going on? Any fun? Same stuff, different day for me. Yeah. That's, you. you know... Ah, that say, is the like life of three uh, average podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> I do have softball starting soon. Nice. What? Nice. Man. Fred, are you playing? Not this year. I'm going to... Uh, lo- he fell you know, off. Fell off the wagon. Lose a few more pounds, and then I'll get back into it where, again. Where do you play, Scott? Perry Hall. Perry Hall. Are you in a... Did, is that the league that merged with... Uh, Eastern Regional? Eastern Regional. Yes. Oh, man. You play on Sunday mornings? No, I'm playing uh, a Friday co-ed team this year. I used to play men's, but <laughs> the team that I was playing with kind of didn't gel. Folded. So it kind of got disbanded a little bit. And I feel like that's common. Picked up a team. So what position do you play? Left field and a little bit of short if needed. Nice. Well, I should say left and left center. I wonder if we played you before, like just in passing. I mean, I haven't played in a year and a half, two years, I don't think. So. It's quite and possible. And that was Sunday, so. Probably. Played for a long time, though, Ryan. We played, Chris, yeah. I think from 22 or 23, something like that, on until about a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, yeah, we I want to get back into it. I miss it. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind playing. I like when they call me up because they're, like, short or whatever. I get to go play, and I don't really have any, like, I don't have to worry about anything. I just go out one Sunday here or there. It's just the but, older I got and the fatter I got, the harder it got. <laughs> I mean, I guess that obviously makes sense. But, yeah. like, I'd, I'd go out on a Sunday and I'd play. And, listen, I didn't do anything, like, crazy. I was a first baseman. It's not like I was running all over the fucking place or anything. But I'd come home on a Sunday and be like, ugh, I don't feel like doing anything <laughs> just lay on the for couch. the rest of the day. Fred's and, like, let's go to Richardson's farm and get a... <laughs> A slushy, and, <laughs> and then go the home and crash. Day. Like that's all I wanted to do on a Sunday. Killed an entire day of a weekend. Apple cider slushy. 
I'm the same way. I I kind of want to play now just to see how much better I feel because I've lost the weight. Yeah. And I've been working out like a week and a half, so I feel like I'm doing pretty good. So I'm like, yeah, maybe I should get in softball. But then I'm like, I don't want to do too many things at once. It's It's been tough. I was in three different leagues at one point. Yeah, you, no way. It takes up a lot of time. It does. Yeah. It does. I think money. this podcast takes up a lot of time, and I'm I'm like literally <laughs> on here for two hours max. So, oh, man. three softball teams, no way. <laughs> well, this week uh, we got a lot to get to. Um, it's an entire roller coaster week of what was Oriole baseball. Uh, the Ravens continuing to make moves in free agency and assign their backup quarterback for 2018. We'll get into that and who that is and get your feelings surrounding that decision. Capitals are back in the playoffs again. How long will they be in there for one round and be done again? Or is this kind of a year that they go under the radar? So we'll, we'll definitely dive into that as well this week, but uh, we'll start it off with uh, obviously the crazy week. That's been the Orioles baseball, uh, so that we saw their first road trip and big test of the season, which had them play three games against the defending champ Astros, followed by a four-game series in the Bronx against AL East foe, the Yankees. Uh, after getting swept in Houston and the road trip starting off as a disaster, the O's were able to save face and take three of four and what was a pretty crazy series in uh, in New York. So that... Uh, <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> see, I, I can't, I can't do this with you. I knew the Google Hangouts thing was a bad idea with him. I don't know what you're talking about, and Jesus, nobody listening does either. So I'll have to cut that out. Why? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm gonna have to just put that in the <laughs> away, so I can't even see it. Oh, Lord, <laughs> I just get these little <laughs> pop-ups from Ryan. <laughs> Little five year old. That's why I hate redheads. That's why, I, like, if I have a redheaded kid, I will give them up for adoption. I'm trying to lighten the mood, man. You're, you're over there. You got everything all scripted. I feel like you're reading the eighth grade <coughs> book report. Come on, man. <laughs> Just joking. Come on, man. You were rolling. I was until you were a fucking jackass. <laughs> uh, trying not to snort. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, man. This is when you know it's fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a dick. Come on, Fred. Be a professional. <laughs> so after getting swept in Houston and the road trip starting off as a disaster, the O's were able to save face and take three of four and was a pretty crazy series in New York. So that leaves the Orioles currently at four and six on the season, four and a half games back of the Red Hot Red Sox, who are off to an eight and one start. Uh, on the year, how are you guys feeling after the first ten games in the season? I hate the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> hate the yeah, Red Sox. I would say that hasn't changed. I didn't know they were eight and one either until I, I looked at the stats. It's a good thing morning. I wrote this script, huh? It's a good thing I wrote this script. No, I did. I knew that before you you spoke today, <laughs> but I didn't know it prior to like today. What are you guys drinking? These guys are just, drinking. They spent the money. They got a good lineup in front of them, and they're going to tackle the AL East like nobody's business. We, I, I've, you know, I've already made a few bold predictions. Ain't nobody going to beat Boston in the AL East this year. 
Except for the okay. Orioles. Just saying. <laughs> We're going to do it. So you think runaway, 100-game winning season, that kind of thing, like they're they're going to yeah. far and away take the division. It won't be close. Yeah, it's – I don't think you're going to have anybody come within 10 games of them. Wow. What? Well, think about it this way. They went out, they spent the money, they got players who are consistent and proven. The Yankees are running off, so far this season, a bunch of rookies and backups. The Orioles can't platoon worth their life as much as they try. Who cares about the Rays? It's just not going to be a season where anybody's going to be able to tack them. Toronto, I don't see it happening. I just don't see it. Yeah. Well, how are you feeling, Ryan? Ten games into the year, we're sitting at four and six. I mean, are you happy where we're at coming um, off this road trip? I mean, obviously, it's a big uh, big series. Take three out of four in New York. Yeah, obviously, everybody's happy with that series. Um, but you're, you're a run away from losing either one of those games. Right. But um, I was glad to see things when – I mean, what was it, last night's game – you know, Mike Wright comes out. He's a bum right out the gate. Mm, and you're down 5 nothing. I left the house. Can you hear me? What's going oh, on? Oh, yeah. I hear you. All right. Am I too loud? Nope. You're good. All right. Um, You know, I was pretty happy with the series. You know, Houston, not so happy. But um, I was pretty much ready to do, like, the normal, like, Homer thing and, and give up on the season. And then I was like, okay, great. We salvaged something in new york so that was good for me but i'm hoping we bounce back tonight and have yeah, another I, win that would be great because toronto's looking pretty doing good anything in houston hmm i said i don't think we were doing anything in houston against that lineup no that's a good team i mean well, I, I think it's a combination of a few things they're obviously a very good team uh our team what are we supposed to be we're, we're supposed to be able to hit the ball and we haven't done that very well to begin the season, um, you know, you, when you've got the the pitching staff that we have right now, with the last couple end pieces being kind of put together with Tillman and Mike Wright, even though Mike Wright, I will say his his first game of the year, he surprised me. Went you know five and a third uh, with only giving up I think two or three earned runs. Um, you know, had a, a decent outing, but boy, uh, yesterday. <laughs> Soon as you want to give him a little bit of kudos, I don't think he went two thirds of an inning yesterday and gave up. <clears throat> I think bad. he only ended up with two earned runs, but ended up giving up five runs in that game. I'm pretty sure the the Mike Wright experience is is over with, uh, or at least I hope so. <laughs> yeah, um, open. it would. Be. You know, his win above replacement is negative one point two career. Golly. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it was an interesting call up today, which I'm sure you guys Scott's have some some takes on. So the Orioles today reassigned Tanner Scott back down to AAA after you know he had a pretty good outing, his first outing. I, you know, I like the potential I see with Tanner. Um, I think he'll be a good added piece down the road to this bullpen. Um, but bringing up Har- Harvey. Yep, Hunter Harvey. Hunter Harvey from Double A. I don't know if this is just a move to kind of give the bullpen some extra innings because you know obviously they've been taxed with a few extra inning games, uh, a little overworked early in the season, 
Or if this is the, hey, it's your turn, kid, you know, show up and we're going to give you the chance. What do you guys think on, on Hunter Harvey? I'll let Scott go first because he um, seemed like he didn't like the call. I hate this move. I hated bring up Tanner Scott. These are your two top prospects, and you've trained them and prepared them for being a dominant starting pitcher. And what's the first thing the Orioles do is they put these guys in the bullpen to bring them in the middle of the game. These yeah. guys, it, it's a, it takes a mentality to be a starter. And it's a completely different mentality to be a middle reliever, a long man, a setup guy. These guys are not prepped for that. These guys are prepped for a starter role. The move that should have been made was you, you should have just left Mike Wright in the bullpen if you're going to keep him. Because you have to keep him unless you DFA him and he clears waivers. Because he's got no options. So... I'd let him go and bring one of them up and let him go. It, what's it going to hurt at the beginning of the year? You're either going to do it at the beginning of the year or you're going to do it at the end of the year. So why not let it happen now? And maybe they could be the piece that pulls it together. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I just think with Hunter Harvey, I mean, coming off the injury, right? You know, he's he's still kind of playing his way back as far as innings pitched, even though he's going his his assignment in Triple uh, A or I'm sorry in Double A was to be a starting pitcher. He was still on an in- innings limit, on an innings cap, and a pitches cap. Um, I get it; it's a mentality thing uh, as far as being a starting pitcher versus being a relief pitcher. But I don't think there's a replacement for major league experience. Um, so I, I can kind of play both sides of the fence there. I understand what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying. But I think if you already know this guy's on a pitch count and you know that you know he is a piece for the future and you could use the extra help in the bullpen where your innings are going to be limited already – why not bring it up, bring him up, get him a little experience at the major league level um, for the future? For, you know, because there was no way he, by the end of this year, he was going to be a starting pitcher in the major league level. He just doesn't have. He's you know with the with the way the Orioles are with kind of babying their pitchers, especially coming off of an injury. There was no way this guy was going to be able to pitch six, seven plus innings in a game. So you're not going to bring him up and put him in a starter role at the major league level and only allow him to pitch three or four innings. Here's my argument to that. The guy pitched last year between three teams. He pitched eight eight games that he started. Mm-hmm. His ERA, 0.96. Okay. Inning pitch is a little bit low at 18.2. Very low. But – source of Orioles pitching. I mean, it's a common thing that they do is they cut these guys out. For example, Dylan Bundy, what's Buck going to do? He's going to pull him out when he hits either 100 pitches or he gets to the third time around in the lineup. Mm-hmm. So it's a mentality. I think it's the Orioles creating that mentality, but you can't argue with the guy across three teams, eight starts with a .96 ERA. Right. No, I mean, I agree with that. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I think I like it. I just like, 
I wanted Hunter Harvey to make the the team out of camp. I just personally, I thought with the options that we had for in the bullpen, um, I just I didn't I didn't think we'd end up carrying two Rule Five guys, three um, or two Rule Five guys in the Pitchers. bullpen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought you said that. I thought you that? said that on the podcast. You thought they were going to have the well. I mean, just the way that it was playing out and knowing Buck and knowing Dan, like I, I understand <laughs> that. I just thought the smarter move uh, would have been to let Nestor Cruz or uh, Cortez go and brought up Hunter Harvey for the experience. Uh, so this is, I mean, what, 10 games into the year and they're doing it. Um, again, I, I don't think this is a permanent thing. I think it's more of, personally, I think it's just for a couple of innings uh, to get a, you know the bullpen a little bit of relief. Um, but we'll see. Tanner Scott, like you said, he came in. He pitched uh, you know, yesterday for a little bit. Looked good. He's, you, you can see this kid's got electric stuff. Um it, it, I guess the one thing with Tanner has always been, you know, the consistency um, and being able to find the strike zone and that kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see if he plays out in a starter role at the major league level. Um, I, have you seen him perform at the at the minor league level? Have you actually watched him? I have not. I've okay. just seen kind of the stats that come out of it. Mm-hmm. I would love to see him pitch, but the stats that come out of it are ridiculous, in my opinion, for a guy that's got the experience that he has which is why i didn't like the move of them saying bring him up and put these guys in the bullpen right right and that makes sense well we had a, a couple of good pitching outings uh during this three or you know four four game series in new york andrew Kashner got back to being andrew Kashner. Look more looked like what we, you know, kind of pumped him up to be and what he was advertised as. Uh, Dylan Bundy still right there on course with your uh, with your prediction. Pitching tonight, uh, yeah, pitching tonight against Toronto. So <clears throat> I know we had talked kind of pregame. What uh, what's your take two starts into the season on on Dylan Bundy? I think he looks good. <laughs> I like my prediction more and more. <laughs> <laughs> Was he now, sitting at a point six six nine ERA or something? Somewhere around in there. Yeah. No, he he's looking good. He looked more comfortable. Again, I hate the fact that Buck is stuck. I could kill the guy that came out with a hundred pitches. Whoever <clears throat> thought that that's the limit, you can shove it. Yeah, <laughs> because that is the worst thing, especially for a guy like Dylan Bundy who has that old school mentality. Like I said before, he he's a grind him out. He wants to go pitch nine innings. He doesn't care how many pitches it takes him. He right. wants to go out and pitch, and it's clear that he wants to do that. He gets out of innings quick. He can work out of quick jams. You know, you brought up the the long balls, and the long ball is becoming shorter if you look at like the the stats home runs are becoming shorter and i think you're right potentially last year a lot of these hits were home runs Mm -hmm. but this year it's working in his favor even more so well i mean you can't argue that the the guy's stats he's two starts into the year he's pitched 13 innings he's only given up 10 hits he struck out 15 he's got two Uh, strikeouts tonight they already got two for tonight nice yeah 
He's only given up one earned run, three walks, and a .69 ERA. Uh, he continues that. Yeah, you're definitely talking Cy Young for sure with a runaway. Uh, Ryan, who's your uh, who's your hot player of the week so far? Man, I like, I'm going with Machado. Yeah, um, you know. can't argue there. That's a safe pick. Yeah, I mean, offensively, he's got you know he's batting three ten so far. Um, every time he's up there, he's getting on base. It seems like. I don't know. He, I don't know how many. I don't have his stats up. Maybe I should pull him up. You got me talking about him. I'm slacking. Nah, yeah. he's definitely the one guy though that I I feel most comfortable with right now when they yeah. comes up to bat. There's really not many people uh, in this lineup that when they come up to bat, you know, I'm confident that you know they're going to get a hit. Manny's probably the one guy in the lineup right now. I agree with you, Ryan. Yeah, he's. I mean, every time I, just this past series, I feel like every time. Machado came up. It was either like he he was on base or he's getting a hit. And then the the biggest issue is Scope's not really found his groove yet, so it's a lot of missed opportunities. But um, I've been real happy with Machado, and it seems like he's he's hitting the ball well, and he's he's not necessarily going for power. He's kind of you know put the ball in the holes. So I don't know. I'm just I he's just somebody that stood out as I've been watching the past week. Yeah, I mean, do you guys get that feeling like this team carries that, you know, that mojo of being this big home run hitting team that they're just trying too hard to be that team instead of playing the pitch and just kind of hitting where the ball's being pitched? I feel like and, and Scope, you brought up Jonathan Scope, and I think that's that's a perfect example. He's a guy that I feel like is just at this time just swinging out of his shoes a little bit. The guy's got enough natural power that you know, ball or bat to ball contact is going to send quite a few of them over the fence. You know he doesn't need to put that extra emphasis on it. But Scott, what's your take on that? I mean, is that kind of how you feel about it? Or? I I I would agree with that. I think these guys are so into the mentality of hit the home run, and it's it shows in the lineup when your leadoff hitter in right now Trey Mancini is killing it with these long balls. He's not your prototypical leadoff hitter, but he's doing well enough to show I can play at this level. I can play I can play that first leadoff role and get the base hits, but to me Craig Gentry is the guy that is the unsung hero right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Craig Gentry and I would think uh, Pedro Alvarez in there. He's had a couple of big hits in the little bit of time he's played. The only reason I say I uh, say Craig Gentry over Pedro is because Craig Gentry has been pivotal with the base hits. Yeah, and it, you know that's one thing, and, <clears throat> and what he brings to this team is the one sore thing that it lacks, and that's speed. Uh, I mean, he's already got three stolen bases on the year. Uh, you can just see how much of a difference, you know, those first to third on a single type of things make. Uh, the guy's got extreme hustle on 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 ground, you know, ground balls in the infield. There's always a tough play on him at first base. Like that's something that this team sorely lacks. Um, it looks I, good in the outfield too. I mean, he yeah, made that I mean, play he's made opening some day, great he, plays he in the outfield for sure. Last night, yeah, he ran in on that ball a little bit, and then he came back and he still got it. Yeah. Very um, versatile, you know. Could play all three outfield positions if need be. Um, yeah, he was a guy that I was kind of scratching my head 
in the in the off season when I had heard the uh, the Orioles were bringing him back, and I kind of thought, you know, he must just be the a Buck guy. You know, Buck just really likes this guy, and and you know, I can kind of see now ten games into this year what what Buck sees in him and what his value and what his role is going to be on this team moving forward. But one guy, I tell you that uh, I do not know his role on this team. And I, I'm sure you guys both know where the hell I'm going with this one. Colby Rasmus. I, he struck out 13 of his first 21 at-bats. 13 of 21. He looks like a goddamn G.I. Joe figurine out there. He's got a shiny little <laughs> dog tag necklace on and standing what's still the, like an action story figure in the that? batting box. He looks dumb. I, I don't understand, like, what does he bring to this team and what value did he have in signing him that Austin Hayes or Cedric Mullins or one of the guys in the minors didn't couldn't do? Even, even Austin Hayes or Cedric Mullins at their worst would be better than what Colby Rasmus is doing right now, or at least the equivalent. He's got the long, flowy hair. <laughs> oh, my God. It makes me <laughs> sick. It's, it, it's just... It kind of reminds me of the Ravens, right? Like, why did you draft Brashad Perryman when you knew he couldn't catch? Why did you sign Colby Rasmus when you knew he couldn't fucking hit? His one thing is he's a he's a high strikeout guy. Yes, he's got some he's got some pop. You know, he's he's averaged I think over twenty home runs. You know, in a, in a decent season, but still, I mean, the, the guy is a high strikeout guy. You've already got that on your roster. Like, it's not like that was a desperate need. We were out looking for a guy that strikes out a lot because this, that this roster is littered with them. Hey, uh, Ryan, you got some water. I can cool him down with. <laughs> yeah. He, he gets worked up when uh, I just, guy. I don't understand what the thinking was in bringing him in. There were so many other guys out there that would have been better options. If you were going to sign a free agent and you weren't going to just go internal, I think like Austin Hayes, and I still don't get it. But yeah, I mean, I get like Austin Hayes was hurt, and there were you know they wanted to get him a little playing time and that kind of thing. But I would have taken anybody in the minor league system over Rasmus. I just I didn't get it from day one. I still don't get it, and now he's kind of magically hit that uh, pothole in the clubhouse, and he's on the ten day disabled list. I here's the thing. <laughs> I, I thought that was funny when I saw that. <laughs> Here's the thing with Colby Rasmus, and here's why he got signed. I, do I agree with this? No, but I'll give you the reason behind it. The guy is has major league experience. He doesn't shy away from it except for when he walked away from baseball. Um, but he was the guy that was willing to say, sure, I'll play platoon outfield. Who, who else is going to take that? Because I hate to tell you, John Jay was not taking. Yeah, I'll platoon in the outfield with some rookie. No, I get that. But Austin Hayes would have gladly did it. Cedric Mullins would have gladly did it. Anybody internal that's looking for a shot to, you know, to prove themselves at the major league level would have taken that. But if you got to send one of those guys down, you lose an option on them. Yeah, I mean, I get it. But I don't know. They're, they just... Maybe there weren't, maybe there wasn't the right fit out there, like you said, free agent wise, that was willing to take on that kind of a role. But the benefit that you were going to get from Rasmus just wasn't worth it. Like there was no 
well, this guy could potentially, you know, do such and such. He's, he's a bad hitter. He always has been. He has been his entire career. He's always been a high strikeout guy. I just, I don't know. On this roster, this particular roster, it's littered with high strikeout guys. It just didn't make sense. He's a poor man's Riddick. <laughs> yeah, a very poor man's Riddick. Uh, but one experiment that I thought has gone pretty well has been the change in leadoff uh, spot, moving Chris Davis uh, out of the leadoff spot and out of the order, um, and putting, putting Trey Mancini uh, Ryan, what's uh, what's your take on Trey Mancini in the leadoff spot? Do you like <clears throat> it or? Oh yeah. yeah, I mean he's definitely he. I mean he's got a hit tonight. You know, leading off. Right. Um, I think that's everyone likes it. Um, from what I can tell, um, nobody like Davis. Obviously, I think he's batting one hundred or something like that. Yeah. Um. Mancini seems that he can hit the ball all over the place. Um, he's got power. Um, I don't know about speed, but um, he's not the slowest guy out there. I just I think it's a good move, and so far it seems to be working out. Yeah, I mean I agree. I, I think he's a guy that can that can work the count. Uh, look, he's he's only batting two thirty, but if you've watched the games closely, he. <laughs> He's got some bad juju going on around him. I mean, they, there have been some crazy plays surrounding Trey, uh, Trey Mancini that uh, his average should be much higher than what it is. Um, but you know, again, he's not he's not a speedster. He's not your prototypical leadoff guy. But I just think uh, with this roster, the way it's constructed, he's probably our best option. What would you say, Scott? Uh, yeah, Trey right now I think is your top option. But Craig Gentry is right behind him, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I think Gentry is the better pick. The problem is you lose, you put him out there, and you lose Santander out in the field. Santanda, Santanda. <laughs> but I then say have Santander DH. Santanda. And if Davis keeps on this horrible, <laughs> you and Santander. <laughs> if Davis keeps on this horrible. You know, downfall that he's on, then put Alvarez at first. Give him the ability to to get out there or adjust around. Put Mancini at first, and keep Craig Gentry in the lineup. He's a guy that's got the best chance right now of getting the hit. He's got the best speed. Now I can't knock Santander's speed because he has been. Uh, you know, I think he stole a base the other day, but I think. Gentry should be the top option, and if Buck isn't already looking there, he should turn. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I think that what we've seen so far from Gentry is a very small sample size so far this year. Um, yeah, he's played well in the time that he's been out there. I think tools-wise, he makes the most sense if he can put it together and continue to play at the level that he's playing at right now. Um but I just think long term, knowing with track history and, and and that kind of thing, I think Trey Mancini is probably going to be your your long term solution. But right now, you ride the wave while it's hot. And if Gentry's your guy and he's playing at the level that he's playing at, I think he is a good fit for the leadoff spot. But you know, there's <clears throat> there's some things that are still coming around the corner. Uh, you know, don't forget. We still have our biggest off-season signing still to add to this roster. You know, 
in the next week or so. I think he's supposed to be coming uh, this weekend uh, against Boston and, and and Alex Cobb. I think if you round out the rotation with Alex Cobb and you and you dismiss the Mike Wright experience like we talked about, uh, this team, if they can, again, get the starters to perform where they need to be, you've, you've got Bundy doing really, really well. Kashner took the next step in being what we expected him to be. Um, you know, and you bring Cobb into that mix. I think I think we're uh, we're we're in an okay spot considering the lack of hitting uh, that's going to come around. It's just there's no way this team is going to struggle the way that they have been hitting uh, f- for the entire year. You might have one or two guys that struggle, but there's no oh, way this entire yeah, roster burr. is going to no. struggle. <laughs> What'd you say? I said forever. Yeah, no, there's no way. Yeah. But there have been some, you know, some really valuable pieces. Uh, some pieces that, you know, again, I were kind of head shakers in the beginning of the year. Like, why are we bringing these guys around? But the, the added benefit of having a Pedro Alvarez, the added benefit of having a Danny Valencia. Pedro um, reminds me of you in softball. (laughs) (laughs) He's like all or nothing. (laughs) He's got the, he's got a little bit of weight on him. You know what I mean? But then he just, he strokes the ball. It's, it's just funny. (laughs) Yeah, you got Alvarez. Alvarez, Valencia, and Gentry. All three guys that I was kind of questioning in the beginning of the year that have all really, really stepped up and been crucial pieces uh, so far this year. Yeah, there's no doubt in that. Yeah. Um, Friday night. So I don't know if you guys watched the Friday night game. It was uh, <laughs> it was quite, quite the interesting game. Uh, one of the extra inning games against New York. Did, uh, did you guys see the play where Givens came sliding in to block DD, uh, whatever the hell his last name is, Gregorius, Gregorius, uh, yeah. from tagging home on a head first slide. It's, yeah. he was obviously out, you know, as far as his, his, whether his hand hit home plate, like there was no question in that, but is this like one of those cases where it's just next year, we're going to see a rule change where they didn't think this through with a pitcher coming down and blocking the plate being any different than a catcher blocking the home plate. Ryan, what do you, what do you feel on that? Um, my, my thoughts on the play in general were that I thought it was a great play. I, I thought it was good for baseball. Right. Um, I mean, I, whether it was us or them, that's a play that if I saw it, I'd say, damn, that was a hell of a play. Right. Um, They'll probably look at that rule in the off season and uh, address it. You know, obviously, I, from what I heard, it was like, "Hey, the catcher can't block the plate," but it doesn't say anything about any other players. But in my opinion, he wasn't blocking the plate. I mean, he was in constant motion. Right. Um. You know, he's running home, he's catching the ball, and he's sliding in front of him and making the tag. So, I thought it was a good play. I think if it would happen to us, I'd be like, "Damn, they got us." Right. But you'd be cursing them for making that good of a play. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd be like, I, I hate those guys, but damn, that was a good play. So yeah, I thought it was a great play. I mean, Givens, Givens has natural baseball instincts and baseball IQ. He is naturally a shortstop, so he's naturally a leader on the field. You know, they were all cheering for him and happy for him when he actually got that uh, line drive back at him and then threw it over to first to get the out. So, you know, 
he's a guy that has the baseball mentality, and he's one of very few pitchers that probably would actually make that play coming in with a baseball slide. Most pitchers, they're going to stop when they get to home plate, and then Didi's going to be safe. Yeah. Uh, I just I, I wonder like what, what MLB is going to do uh, about situations like this, though, because if it's not a clear – if there's not a clear definition in the rule book as, as to whether something is or isn't legal, like, you know, they, they, they clearly made the adjustment to try to protect runners coming in at home with the catcher. I just, I don't see it being any different with the pitcher or whether it be a first baseman or whoever it is covering home, Ryan, I kind of get what you're saying. You know, it was kind of in the motion. He wasn't standing there and waiting for the ball to come to him. It was just kind of a, you know, yeah, they're I mean, sliding it together at the same spot, but you could really see how he, how Didi could have gotten seriously hurt on that play. And it's yeah, a good, but you know, it's a good thing he didn't, but one of the, one of the things they mentioned during the, the broadcast was that he slid head first, which is on him. Right. It, right. If he gets hurt, true. he's, he's not helping his cause, but, um, you know, if you slide in underneath of that, he, he might've, he might've got the run. I, I don't know. He was. He was a little bit further away from the plate than I thought initially after watching the replay. Even um, with uh, Givens making the tag, I thought they were a little bit closer, but he he did get in front of him a good foot or two. Not, I wouldn't say two feet, about a foot away from the plate. But um, I, I think maybe they'll look at it. I don't think anything crazy will happen. Nobody got hurt, luckily. Um, I just think it was a good baseball play, man. Great Nothing was intentional. Play. Nobody tried to hurt him. It didn't look like you know, Givens was trying to take him out. You know, he didn't hit him in the head with his knee. So, Well, no, I th- I think they got that play right. Mm-hmm. I think Givens made the right play. The rule technically does state only the catcher. So do they look at it this year? Maybe. But I, I think you're going to see that if they pulled a bunch of pitchers, you're going to have a handful that are going to do that play. A yeah. bunch of those pitchers are stopping, and I don't. I don't think you're going to see much of a change. And my question would would be, if DD slides foot first, are we talking about this? Right. I don't think we are. I think no. we're saying great play. That's what I mean, right? I think he gets under it, and or, I also think Michael Giffords gets uh, hurt gets a little cleated. bit more on that play <laughs> if he's going in foot first. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah absolutely. Get cut up. Now, the other play in that same game. I was going to ask you about that because I I did not tune in the game early enough to catch this play, so take that one away. Did you see it, Ryan? No, I'm curious. All right, so the rundown play where Caleb Joseph gets the ball. He he goes to run back Stanton to third base. Sanchez has already moved from second to third at this point. And he runs him back. Stanton goes past third base. And at this point, Sanchez is standing on third base. He's automatically out. That should be the call. Who's automatically out? Stanton. Mm -hmm. Here's where the umpires said no. And they are right. Stanton is in motion between third and... And home. Right, but you said uh, Sanchez is now on third base, correct? Correct. And if Stanton is going back 
two third. And he go well, first of all, if he doesn't go back and touch third and he goes past third base, he's out of the baseline. He's out. If he touches third base and then goes behind Sanchez, that's flopping runners. He's out. So he never touched the base, which by rule, if he touches the base, Sanchez is out. And then when Caleb tags Stanton, they're both out. But what their argument behind the rule was, he goes and never touches third. And they give the leniency at every base and in every baseline. It's pretty wide. Because think about this. If you had a definite baseline, how many runners coming around third base would be out every time? Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I guess that's where I didn't see the play, so I don't know how far past the bag he went. He was 10 feet past, past the, the bag, 10 feet, 10 feet past the bag, kind of off to the left. Yeah, he, he was out. Of, he was he out, of, is out of the baseline. There. There's no question with that. But what Caleb did was as he's running him back, as soon as Stanton makes that left turn, he tags Sanchez and then goes back and tags Stanton. They say Sanchez is safe, and they say that Stanton is out off the tag. Buck comes out and argues, and MLB came out later that day, actually, and said the call on the field was wrong. Both runners are out because in by rule as soon as he went in the field behind Sanchez Sanchez is out even though he didn't touch the base even though he didn't touch the base because what they're saying is in the field he went behind him hmm it's so I feel like the example, they had, somebody had the rule book up, you know, the text, you know, I saw a picture of it, and it was like the exact example of what happened was used to explain the play. Like the the runner running into the outfield basically behind the base and the runner standing on third, and they said that they both should have been out. Well, I'm just – I'm thinking like, right, so <clears throat> let's think from a perspective. Stanton's on second base. And Sanchez is on a first. Guy hits a ball to a gap, right? Stanton comes around third, touches third, and then goes way out of the baseline. Sanchez is right behind him and touches third. Stanton's out because he's out of the baseline. Nothing affects Sanchez. And it's kind of the same thing in this sense because if Stanton goes back to the base but never touches the base... He hasn't engaged with third base yet, and that's where Sanchez is. So he's technically still between third and home. He's just out of the baseline, so he's out. So the argument that I've heard is he was already in possession of third base. Right, on his way home. Stanton takes possession. I'm sorry, Sanchez takes possession, and Stanton had the intent of coming back and because he ran out and avoided that's where both of them technically should have been out because while he didn't touch third base he had the intent of touching third base until Sanchez was on the bag and then once Sanchez is on the bag and he passes him he's out Sanchez is out 
because Stanton went behind him. Right. And then Stanton's out because Caleb tagged him. That's interesting. I guess I had misunderstood the rule my entire life. I didn't know, I guess, in that situation. Because I've had that. I mean, as a catcher, there's been multiple times I can remember running runners back to third base and the guy that was on second base not realizing what was going on and coming down to third. And then I just, instead of throwing the ball, just keep running at them because they've got nowhere to go. It's not like the guy on third base is going to go back to second. And then they end up running out of the baseline, never touching the base because they know they've got nowhere to go. And the umpire calls them out and that's it. And the guy on third stays on third. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's a, a misunderstanding of the rule. But, uh, man, I'm I'm sorry I missed that because I would have liked to have seen them try to you know, debate that one out and kind of go into it. If you haven't watched the video of it, it's quite interesting to watch. Yeah, I'll definitely have to go back and, and, and take a look at that for Caleb sure. Caleb knew what was up. I mean, he called it from the beginning. He's like throwing up two fingers. Right. Yeah. And then Buck was just out there trying to get an explanation, but he looked right. like he got a little heated towards the end, but he walked off the field, didn't get too crazy. Well, Buck's a rules guy, so. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they don't like arguing with him about that because he – probably knows more than they do sometimes yeah all right well let's move on a little bit uh i did want to talk a little bit about the ravens um not a whole lot going on but one interesting signing that has kind of taken off on social media and it had me kind of pulling my hair out in the beginning but i I think i've kind of absorbed it now and, and understand it a little bit more now or understand it better now as uh, the Ravens signed RG three to a one year deal worth $1 million uh, to be Joe Flacco's backup. Ryan, what was your take when you first heard that uh, RG three was coming to Baltimore? I was, um, I was a little shocked. And then I found out that it was only a one year, $1 million deal. And I was like, well, whatever, you know, as far as I'm concerned with that, it's basically, a, a risk versus reward kind of deal. You know, they're willing to lose a million dollars if this doesn't pan out. And then if anything, he's probably a serviceable backup and he's probably better than Ryan Mallett was. Yeah. Um, I liked RG three his rookie year. I thought that a lot of people how, did. If he knew how to protect himself a little bit better, um, he would have did himself a bit of a favor. Um, I thought he was good for the game. You know, he's running all over the place and, you know, I worked with a guy, or I worked with a guy who was a Redskins fan. And he was a big fan of RG three, and I was like, "It's like I can't really hate the guy. He's doing things I haven't seen before." But um, once I figured out it was a one year, one million dollar deal, I, I wasn't too concerned with it because I knew they're probably going to draft a quarterback, and this is probably just a short term thing, so I'm not really worried about it. Scott, what do you think? Well, I'm under the same thought that I think they're going to draft a quarterback. Yeah. My first question is, what's wrong with Joe? Why would you take and give a contract for $1 million, one year? That's fine, whatever. It's not much off the salary cap. But you know that everybody's expecting you to draft a quarterback. So if you're going to take this guy and you're, gonna, you're telling me you're going to carry three quarterbacks, I don't think that's going to happen. Something in my eyes says something is going on with Joe and I'm wondering if it's not his back again. And they're doing this as okay, we've got we've got this guy who is a serviceable backup 
and can handle it when we know Joe is going to step down for a little bit. And then you go draft a quarterback that long-term is behind Joe, but can be also a serviceable quarterback behind RG3. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a good take on it as well. But I also think that there's some things coming with Joe Flacco. I mean, we we realize that next year, if they cut Joe Flacco, they can save 18 or $19 million uh, on the salary cap. So they're coming up with decision time with Joe Flacco. And Joe Flacco is coming up with decision time with how long he wants to play in the NFL. I said this a couple of weeks ago. Flacco's not your typical NFL player. He doesn't have the personality for it. He never has. Um, he's never been a rah-rah football guy. He's never been one to put in the extra time. He's never been one to put in the extra effort. And front office is even questioning that lately. I mean, they've been public in saying things about him getting with his receivers early and, you know, trying to work through things. I think Flacco, he's made his money in this game. I mean, he's obviously set his family set for a very long time he won a Super Bowl. He's got a Super Bowl MVP. What really more does he have to prove at the NFL level for a guy that just doesn't really seem to give too much of a shit about accolades and the game, really? Um, I'm not saying he's not a competitive person, and I'm not saying that you know he doesn't enjoy being an NFL quarterback. And if he can make more money down the road, you know, all be, you know, great, good for him. I just I, I don't see that from him, and I think the Ravens are kind of like okay, well we better start preparing for that. And at first the RG three thing I was kind of like whoa why are we going after this guy like this guy just can't stay healthy like hasn't had a great track record yet the one good year, but like you said Ryan I mean a one year deal one million dollar I think this is more of an audition than it is really a commitment. To the backup role, I think, you know, with that little bit of money, they bring him in the training camp. They don't see what they like, you know, or to see anything that they like out of the guy. They can still let him go and it doesn't really cost them much money. Um, I do think that they'll be active in the draft this year from the quarterback's position. Uh, Lamar Jackson would be a guy that if he's available at 16, I could see the Ravens going after and. I think the RG3 signing kind of plays a part in that. They're two very similar style quarterbacks, both mobile quarterbacks with strong arms, small frame bodies uh, that maybe RG3 can kind of mentor Lamar Jackson in that role, even from a second and a third level quarterback. You know what I mean? He can kind of prov- you know provide him that one year of here's what I did, here's what I did wrong. And uh, what you shouldn't do <laughs> moving forward, uh, if you want to make a you know a long career for yourself, because they're very very identical as far as their body frames and things of that nature go. And Ryan, you hit it right on the head. His biggest problem was just holding on to the ball too long and absorbing too many hits, and he wouldn't run out of bounds. Or, yeah, I mean, he I mean, just, just getting smashed for as little as that guy was. He just, I mean, he he absorbed way too many hits. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's a low risk deal that uh, you know I I don't see too much harm in it. Um, Got to check out Fred's instant reaction. Yeah, man, I, the instant reaction was before I knew anything, and I was very clear in that <laughs> video. I said that I didn't know anything contract wise. I just kind of blown away. It was it was out of the blue. 
They had mentioned RG3's name one time last year, right along the lines with Kaepernick. I know they were, you know, looking at both of them, and then they just kind of disappeared until this week, and all of a sudden, Ravens sign RG3. So it kind of caught me off guard, but uh, I think Did I'm, you see I'm, the, I'm better. The report okay, that they were going to have to. They were going to get questioned on the whole Colin Kaepernick collusion. Yeah. Investigation. I was like, what? Yeah. I was like. This guy's not been in the league for a year or whatever either. I was like, I don't get it how it's a problem signing this guy, but I guess they want to know why they can, didn't consider Kaepernick. But his girlfriend did that whole blow-up thing on the Ravens and Ray Lewis. So I was Yeah, like, why I don't do they think they really guy? have much of a case to stand on against the Ravens specifically, especially yeah. because of that. Here's what I'm going to say. When it comes to Colin Kaepernick, there's no argument against any team. And here's the reason why. Because when they sign those contracts, the one of the big things is you are a part of this team and you are going to be a vocal and visual part of this team. So you need to watch what you're doing. And just like any employer can do, if you represent or misrepresent the company, you could be fired. So they don't want to take on that already preconceived notion that there's going to be problems and the same with the fans they it's why they wanted to do that whole we want to see how our fans react da, da, da. no that was when you wanted to find out how much money you were going to lose if you did that move right. and that's that's a business decision and that's their right to make that business decision so there's no argument on that and speaking of business decisions i mean at this point like you said, Ryan, Kaepernick's been out of the game for a year and a half, almost two years now, right? So if he mm-hmm. were to get signed anywhere, he's coming in in a backup role. He's not coming in to be a starting quarterback. And who the hell, as a business owner, wants to bring in that kind of media circus that would come along with signing Kaepernick as your backup, not even your starting quarterback? You got that crazy media circus following your backup quarterback. Like I, I don't think any business owner would would want that. Um, it would just be, I, yeah, too much for your team. You know, if your team is really focused on trying to win, uh, that takes a lot of that away. But uh, we'll see. I mean, it, he's still young enough to get a chance. I still think that he needs to go to the uh, the CFL and prove that he can still play. Um, you know, if it's not really about money for him, why not go there, prove that he can play and then see what happens, you know, in the NFL, look at Doug Flutie. He came back to the NFL and had a hell of a career later on, you know, in, in the end of his career, not to say that Colin Kaepernick's Doug Flutie, but it could happen. Um, but staying with the Ravens, uh, and <clears throat> we obviously, we've talked about it for multiple episodes, the, the, the issues at the wide receiver core that they've been addressing. Uh, they did bring in Eric Decker, uh, for a workout. They talked to him last year before he signed with Tennessee. He was kind of an intriguing guy. To me, he's not going to really cost you a whole lot. He's a bigger guy, 6'3", 215 pounds. He's a really, really good red zone target, which is, you know, something that Flacco lacks, especially with the loss of, you know, Dennis Pitta and not having that real good pass catching tight end. Um 31 years old. I don't know how much he has left in the tank, that kind of thing. Uh, what's your opinions on Eric Decker, Ryan? Do you like Eric Decker for the Ravens as a, a third wide receiver? Not really. No. Um, he's just 
an older, I don't, I don't know that he's older, but you know, I don't, I don't know. I got to watch saying that because 31. Yeah. I'm, I'm older than him. <laughs> um, I just think you're bringing in a veteran. I, I feel like we've been down that road before. Um, you know, Steve Smith was pretty good. He was a pretty aggressive guy. I don't know that Eric Decker is that same guy. Oh um, no, no! By you know no what I mean. I, I just I don't. Two of them. <laughs> I, I mean, I think you're just similar. You're getting like similar to a Danny Woodhead situation where one play could could blow him out for the rest of the season. I just see a whole lot of value there. I will say this: Eric Decker did outperform one Jeremy Macklin last year. <laughs> A lot of people did. So. <laughs> I was going to say, it didn't take very much to outperform Jerry Macklin yeah. last year. We could sign Colby Rasmuth. And- <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Scott? Any uh, any take on Decker? Decker on his, on his stats, you look at him, he's kind of fallen off. He had a few good years in 2015, 2014, and 2013. 2013, he had 1,288 yards. Uh, 2014, 962, and 2015, he had uh, 1,027. 2016, I believe he had an injury that year and only had 194. And then last year with Tennessee, 563. Right. It, it's That 563s on 83 targets, so I don't know how much you're going to get out of that, but it's only one touchdown. So that red zone help that he used to be and he used to average during those other other years he was averaging 12 touchdowns in those years he averaged one last year yeah i mean i get that but you know back the years that you're talking about specifically are when he was in denver um and i believe he, he was opposite of demarius thomas uh, so he was a number two wide receiver there. Demarius Thomas had some injuries during those years, so they kind of asked Decker to step up a little bit more. Uh, he played played really, really well. I just think from a third wide receiver, typically a third wide receiver, somewhere in the neighborhood of 450 to 550 yards is, is the expectation uh, that you would have for him. I just think – the one thing that the Ravens have struggled at over the last couple of years has been inside the 20 in the red zone and any kind of bigger targets that you can have that Joe can just kind of throw the ball up to or throw the ball high to uh, the better because this team, they haven't had tall receivers over the last couple of years. They've had smaller bodied receivers. Um, Dennis Pitta, the tight end was the one bigger target that, you know, Caught a lot of touchdowns for Joe uh, over the middle because of that size. And I just think somebody of Eric Decker's mold would be a good fit for this team. Maybe not Eric Decker, but I think somebody of his mold. I would agree. I would agree with that. Would be a good fit. But that's it, man. That's 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 all surrounding the Ravens right now. Obviously, the draft is coming up in the next couple of weeks, so they're preparing for all that. Um, one topic that we have not touched on Ryan in quite some time, uh, would be the capitals, uh, capitals clinched the Metro division again, uh, finished at 105 points on the year. You know, a lot of, a lot of people were questioning whether this team was going to be competitive this year, considering all the moves that they had to make and cuts that they had to make with salary issues and things of that nature. Um, you know, and they were able to bring TJ Oshi back, which I was 
super surprised they were able to work that deal out. Uh, but then he had a couple of concussions and really hasn't been right until the end of the year with those concussions. So to consider, you know, one of your better players struggling for most of the year with head issues um, and to be able to finish winning the division with 105 points, I think they finished third in the Eastern Conference overall. Um, pretty, pretty damn good gear. Have you are you a big Capitals fan at all? Scott, I don't know much about your Capitals knowledge. <laughs> uh, I pay attention to it a pretty decent amount. Um, I, I think they have a shot this year, but the only way that they have a shot is the Flyers have to take out the Penguins in the first round. If they don't take out the Penguins in the first round, it's going to be history repeats itself, in my opinion. Um, they just Boston's got Washington's number, no matter what. And Ovechkin... I think if not this year, next year will be his last year. Really? A guy coming off of this year, 49 goals. He was one short. He had the NHL. Yeah, one short of 50, 38 assists. He had 87 points. You think he's hanging it up in the next year or two? I think so. Wow. It's just, it's surprising. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know a whole lot about hockey players as far as like longevity how long their careers are like what the average age you know for a uh for especially for you know some of the elite players but i mean i know yarmir yager still playing at like almost 50 years old mario lemieux came back in his you know 40s and still had some real productive years wayne gretzky hung on for a long time i mean and and alex oveshkin's right there on those tier of players um and this guy is still not one. That's the one thing he hasn't done is he hasn't won a Stanley Cup. So you think even without a Stanley Cup in two years, he's going to hang it up? I think so. And the reason I say that is because Ovi, when you look at Ovi's interviews, he's not about himself. He is about the team. Mm-hmm. But I think at some point, he's recognizing that in Washington, the weight is on his shoulders. As, as much as some people that I know that watch a lot of hockey don't like me saying that, they find it hard, hard to argue with me on it. And they hide from the fact that name another player that has had as much of an impact as he has had on the Capitals. Well, I will say that TJ Oshie last year came in and was a dominant force. That's why I said I was really, really surprised that they were able to work a deal out and keep him here, even with Ovechkin here. Um, now, granted, like I said, this year he fell off with the with the head injuries, um, having the concussions and everything. Um, Kuznetsov is another guy, young guy that's on you know on the prowl. He's more of an assist guy, very high points. You know, I mean, he's right up there with Ovechkin as far as total points. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think that. The centerpiece of this team is obviously Alex Ovechkin. He's your goal scorer. He's your captain. He's your go-to guy when you need a goal. Um, and I think there are, in years past, especially with some of these rosters that have been put together over the last like three or four years, the pressure has really been on him to carry this team, especially when it got to the playoffs. That's why I think this year might be a little different. You know, that going into this year, expectations for the Capitals really weren't that high. 
Um, and to finish as good as they did, like I said, maybe this is the year where they kind of go in under the radar. Expectations aren't there, and who knows? What What do you take on it, Ryan? I mean, have you uh, been keeping up on, on the Capitals at all? Not really. I mean, I know they played well. I know they took the division. Right. Um, you know, what did they win the President's Cup the last two years? Right. I think this year they were kind of relieved that they weren't the favorite going into it because that hasn't worked out for them. But, uh, you know, you talk about Ovechkin, obviously. Uh, the guy the guy I work with is a big Caps fan, watches a lot of hockey. And he was like, basically they said he was washed up, and then this year he, he leads the league in goals. So I don't necessarily know that he's he's going to be gone um, in the next couple of years. He might have a little bit more in him than you think. But that's all I, I really know on it. I don't think it's that he doesn't <laughs> have it in him. I just think he's... He's, He's ready to hang him up yeah. and retire. Play for Mother Russia. <laughs> you know, as basically a career Caps guy that led the league his final year. Yeah. You go out on top. Maybe. There's no better way to go Thursday, than out on right? top. But I, I do think that uh, – that Stanley Cup is, you know, as elusive as it has been for him. I think he's got a hunger for that. I think that's something that might keep him around a little longer. Now, if he got that this year or next year, I 100% agree with you. He hasn't. He has nothing more to prove, nothing more to achieve in the league. And at that point, yeah, maybe I do hang it up. But uh, until he gets that Stanley Cup, I still think I think the fire still burns for him. You know, 49 goals after, like you said, Ryan. You know, a couple. You know, some of the media kind of saying that he's washed up and he wasn't what he once was, well, he proved everybody wrong this year, that's for sure. They said if he would have short, scored 50, I think he would have been like one of only three players to do that in, what was it, eight I seasons? I think I heard the same thing, yeah. yeah I think it was eight yeah, or nine seasons. One of them was Gretzky, done. and then I don't, I don't remember the other two. That's how good my memory is. But All right, guys, well, we're a little over an hour was uh, a lot to talk about. Looked at, what's the update so far on the Orioles score there, Ryan? You got that? Um, I don't have it right in front of me. It's 2-1. to one. Um, Machado, Homer, and that was really it. Uh, Blue Jays are up 2-1. to one. All right. So Bundy's got six strikeouts, but his pitch count's a little high. He had a rough inning in the second. But All right. Well, let's see what happens. Sounds good. I mean, sounds like, uh, you know, Bundy's still off to another dominant start if he's only in, what, the fourth inning, I think, with six yeah. Ks. That's good. Only giving up the one run. Machado staying hot. We'll see. You had to bring up his ERA. He's at 1.69 now. <laughs> <laughs> 1.65. Still got a couple more innings to bring that back down. But uh, All right, you guys got anything left? Not just – I'm surprised we didn't bring up uh, Stanton, but no yeah. big deal. We'll uh, – I'll give him a pass. You know, I mean, he's getting new, adjusted to New York. He's so, going to be the Chris Davis of the Yankees. Yeah, well, <laughs> I have a uh, bold prediction going at work that uh, I think me and you might have talked about this too. I think Manny and Scope end up with more home runs combined than uh, than Judge and and Stanton. I can uh, see it. Yeah, I mean that's put it on the books. Yeah, Stanton just – I don't know if he's the right personality and the right fit for that city, but we, we'll see. So far, it has not worked out very well. But as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, check us out on the web at www.birdlandbs.com. 
iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, which is a new one. Throw that Podbean. one in there. Soon to be Spotify. I am working on that, and that should be within the next couple of weeks, hopefully. So trying to be more versed and get out to you guys uh, in every which way possible. But we appreciate uh, each and every one of you tuning in every week. For Birdland BS, I'm Fred. I'm Scott. I'm Ryan. We'll see you guys. Thank you.